Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. you that the orkin guy that came by work got chased off by our geese what well i mean as i think i've established my boss keeps a variety of fowl i okay stardew valley over here (laughs) it kind of is (laughs) i mean you know he's got us in his ceramic studio next to his garden but also right over the hill uh he's got a gazebo full of doves okay Uh, he has peacocks guinea fowl chickens i think turkeys but then he also has these three enormous geese that just wander around the property and the orkin guy showed up the other day to spray for ants or something Okay. And just like I was coming back from my lunch. First of all, I wasn't sure these geese were going to let me back inside. They were staring me down. Yeah, they're scary. I don't mess with yeah. them. They're very scary. Oh, yeah. No, they're very. And they're just those really big white domestic ones. Oh, you know? no. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, just very, very scary looking. Uh, but then, you know, I look out the window later and I'm watching them chase the bug guy around. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it like he. uh he actually forgot to give us back the house key. Oh, because he just maybe they, I would have taken off, man. I feel that I'm in the same. Maybe boat it's that you. uniform. It's that white maybe. shirt. Maybe they were threatened. Mm. They don't like they don't like the helmet. No, no. The fashion geese. <laughs> the fashion pulled geese. I don't know. There's something there. Oh, man. Yeah, that's I don't know. Foul, foul scare me. And geese are definitely. Mm. they can be intimidating for sure oh yeah huh no i mean well you know this is this is just you know life you know living life uh in the wilderness like this you know yeah absolutely i mean you gotta i guess you gotta get tough and you know figure out how you're gonna i guess it's like any day that the geese aren't bullying you is really the victory you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well we can't let the geese win i think over the history of humanity we've made it our job to try and stay one step ahead of the geese. Right, and that led to the Industrial Revolution and its consequences. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, the, you know, that's this is what Ted Kaczynski was talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe. This, um, this is looking, this ex- exhibition that you've set up for us, this seems uh, very different from the bird exhibition. Yeah, definitely in a different vein for sure. Um, you know, we got our like all these different runic stones over here, which we'll get into later. Definitely some, you know, ornate silver items and oh oh, just watch out for the big troll statue. Oh. You want to make sure. Oh not. wow. Yeah, they're really scary. Oh but also my cute. gosh. 
<laughs> oh yes, there's also the screening of Troll Two that's happening simultaneously. We're experimenting oh, well, you, with different you have curation to do that. strategies. Oh, absolutely. You have to do that. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, yeah. it's part of it. But yes, no, I'm very excited to get into this because for today's tour, we're going to be talking about a little bit of the origins of you know scandinavian or norse paganism and the transition into christianity and also explaining or dissecting a little bit of the archaeological evidence and um or historical evidence that we have to back up what this period of time actually looks like compared to a lot more of the pop culture and speculation that we have and alt right propaganda and movements that we have circulating around right now that inform that so rather than looking at this mm -hmm. at a romantic lens i wanted to come at it with more of a archaeological based lens and really see how we can prove some of these things and what we actually don't fully know so hmm. yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of in i'm, I'm in, been okay. in i've been intrigued by this topic a little bit and it's kind of a nice pairing you know vinland saga has been airing which arguably is one of the best pieces of that type of that's based on that type of time period but then also the last kingdom came out got to see that or the last mm -hmm. kingdom seven kings must die it's not very a creative title but you know whatever still pretty good but uh I, you know there's these this time period has been having a grip on society within the last couple of years with different pop culture shows and we've also talked about that at the uh, museum a few times so mm -hmm. now i wanted to really I think deep dive into when did they switch over to Christianity and why are people still hmm. claiming to be pagans? Okay, okay. Yeah, this is this is very interesting. I mean, obviously, we're hot off the tails of uh, you know, a a major Christian holiday. Uh yes. One yes. one that I think shockingly to many people I am in favor of. Joe, okay. I'll say it. All right. I I like aspects of easter i mm -hmm. like a brunch based holiday <laughs> i feel that okay i i definitely yeah. agree. i'm there with you i can get behind the nice brunch for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. yeah no like wouldn't like if you sold it as hey me and me and my friends we're all gonna dress in pastels and we're all gonna go like get eggs benedict like that it's sounds fun. like a nice holiday it does sound fun absolutely and i mean that's really what easter should be at the end of the day mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. you know it's it's kind of like that in italy not as many pastel colors but it's a huge mm -hmm. lunch and then you kind of just pass out because of all the food so that's fun <laughs> so right right yeah um okay okay so how do we go from uh mjolnir to monasteries uh mm. like this so i mean Okay, it is marred a lot by uh, romantic era and yeah. then uh, white nationalist era right. uh, revisions of yep. the Nordic people. But it is interesting that, I guess kind of similar to Italians, we and maybe Greeks as well, we equally associate them with some type of Orthodox Christianity, but hmm. also with their, um, their pagan, their paganism. Uh, right. Like that, that is something that we think of, like it from, from what I've heard, like plenty of people in Norway, like, you know, legitimately believe in trolls. So I don't, right, I don't right. know how that, fits into uh their their uh their theology if they are yeah. supposed to be uh 
monotheistic uh, uh, Northern Europeans. I think the trolls are more of that folklore-based stories beforehand mm-hmm. that sort of make their way down, from my knowledge, because it's not as rooted in like the the more uh, romantic pagan idea of like Thor and Odin and Loki and all these, and Freya and Freya and, and all these people that is kind of similar to like the Greek pantheon. With the trolls, I kind of think they're more like cryptids in a way, but less. Hmm. limited and more like the trolls are in the mountains we have these tall mountains and things move and no that's the trolls that did it and it kind of makes sense and it's like you can i'm trying to think of where that would blend in with like mediterranean culture because it's almost like like how how you had all these like agriculture well you you still have that you have the evil eye yeah mediterranean cultures exactly yeah even if they are uh abrahamic religions well yeah because like in italy there's they're very like mystical about a lot of stuff and you're kind of you know Mm -hmm. because my family is and for sure like the neighborhoods are and i always wondered like how's this one fit in with the catholic church but it's kind of like all built on these weird medieval superstitions that or originate from um older traditions than that you know pre-roman mm-hmm. and such and i think with um with scandinavia norway specifically at the moment like it's it's interesting because a lot of this is passed on from word of mouth but we don't mm-hmm. always know fully where these things come from at least with the more like common pagan is pagan ideas right. so well i guess starting kind of from here when we're looking at Scandinavia at the time, right? It's important mm-hmm. to remember that you, well, I guess we should probably start at the basics that mm-hmm. the areas I want to be looking at, at least for this exhibition, is we have Denmark, we have Norway, and we have Sweden. All right. Those are the mm-hmm. big, the big three. And Iceland's there too, but we're, they're later. So okay. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so, um, well, it doesn't matter for the beginning, let's say. But, Nice, nice save for, Thank for you. all of our fans in Iceland. Well, we've talked about Iceland on the Vinland episode and some of the others, but they're technically filled with people who left after this guy named uh, King Harold Fairhair took over Norway, which is a nice transition, okay. actually, because Norway originally used to be made up of lots and lots of smaller uh, tribes and areas. And it's because it's interesting, like the when we say Norse and we say Norse mythology, Norse mm-hmm. is, I mean, it translates to like North, basically, and it's, it's usually associated with Norway, right? Mm-hmm. And it actually derives where Norway actually gets its name from the term um, Norfiger, which translates roughly to the way north which i think is kind of fun it's just right on the nose hmm. they know what they're about they're in the north yeah. it just makes sense and i i appreciate that about linguistics <laughs> um so you know but again pre-unification under uh, harold fairhaired in the ninth century it's made up of rival clans and people who are just stoking out land in the mountains and, and fjords and such Mm-hmm. North of them, we also get the Sami, who we'll talk about later because they'll make their way into this story too. But they are the indigenous groups that are the group that is located up there, and they were also had multiple different tribes, and there's different indigenous areas within northern Europe, also, just to keep that in mind. And the people who arrive, Indo Europeans who arrive in Norway, in Scandinavia, come after that. Hmm. So okay. just another interesting thing. Then we have Denmark which is mm-hmm. south of Norway, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, like, you know, attached to Germany and such. And its name actually comes from combining the term Danier, 
which is what the tribe that settled in the region called themselves, hence how we get the Danes. And then mm-hmm. also the term mark, meaning dividing forest. So yeah, that's also kind of interesting. But it suggested okay. that Denmark's the earliest unified area in Scandinavia, and it ha- having been organized as one group, so one tribe, uh, as early as the 8th century. Which is also interesting mm. to keep in mind, okay. and it makes sense for some of the other tribes we've talked about with like the invasion of England and such, where they would have had an organized army coming in, you know, in the 700s, 800s, rather than just Vikings. So another myth being busted a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we get, just lastly, Sweden. So the name comes from Sver, which is what the Swedes called themselves, and, or I believe so at least. And similar to Norway, it was broken into different factions. But during the Viking Age, Sweden was actually a hotbed for pagan cults. And once they converted to Christianity in the 11th century, there's lots of... Uh, runestone memorials blending pagan art and christian art together but we'll get to that a little bit later uh Mm. or right into this transition i should say so that's the thing these are the ways just to kind of establish where we're at you know in the north these i'm gonna be interchanging norse scandinavian you know all these different terms because it's a little difficult to keep track of them and to say norse i feel like is a little too specific but sometimes that's just Mm -hmm. what it comes down to okay now but when we say Norse mythology, we mean Odin, Thor, Loki, Fenrir. Exactly. Yeah, that's what okay. it's established because it's Old Norse and it's attached to that. And, you know, I don't all of these peoples were believing in similar things, at least to mm-hmm. the way that we find these artifacts. Mm-hmm. But as we'll get into when we talk about the practices, it's tough to say how much of that is actually like really die hard into their culture into the philosophy you know because one of the things i think is important to note like the greek mythology and even roman pantheons Mm -hmm. and things like that like they like believed it and wrote it down and like have we have records of like a lot of the myths and it's written by their perspectives and passed down and such you know Mm -hmm. and one of the things i didn't really know until recently you know until doing the research for this actually is that we don't like have a lot of evidence to support lots of the pagan practices that have been grafted on to mm. them, like really at all, you know? And that's right. something to keep in mind, which I know, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure we'll get some feedback of people being like, well, <laughs> actually, you know, we actually do have these records that I found it on mm-hmm. pagan.org or whatever. And like, <laughs> we really don't. Like, it's it's kind of fascinating because even... You know, I've even seen TikToks of people criticizing, like, tattoos, and it's, like, some guy who's, like, a Viking. He's like, I'm the real Viking, you know? And you're like, okay. At least you're (laughs) self-aware. But, like, even nitpicking, like, runes that are from Viking Age. You need a boat. You need a boat. He might have a boat. He looked like a guy that had a boat. Oh. So I don't know. But, I mean... I mean, is my dad a Viking, then? Does he raid and plunder monasteries and villages? And is he Um, from Norway or, or Denmark or Sweden? No, but he mm. has a boat. Okay. And a, and a, and a labradoodle. Okay. He could go a Viking. Anybody could go a Viking. I just think he'll get arrested. But uh, it's not exactly acceptable. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that, I mean, this, this is very interesting. So yeah. I'm sure the primary sources for a lot of this stuff are coming from outside of the culture. So there's going to be right. the bias there. It's difficult to tell what exactly they believed. And I guess, um, okay, I mean, this, 
but this is also something that we see with a lot of other pre-Christian uh, right. European cultures. I mean, even, you know, pre-Christian, like the Romans describing the practices of the Gauls, specifically right. Caesar describing the Gallic Wars, you know, like that's the inspiration for the Wicker Man, you know, right? Um, the uh, 1970s movie, and then the uh, obviously uh, you Cage, know, masterpiece with Nick Cage, you know, the bees, um, not the bees, not the bees, not the bees, right? But like, like even Beowulf, the earliest thing that we have written in English, is something that is being transcribed. Uh, by you know someone in a monastery exactly and you know there's always going to sort of be that filter of well what what was this was this was this transliterated perfectly from the source or what are things that may have been edited and added uh from the the perspective of the person preserving it in you know, the the annals of Christendom. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing that I think is very interesting and kind of the reality about this is that we don't have those first-person accounts by the so-called pagans themselves, right? Because, I mean, you know, just besides of what they were mm-hmm. going to call themselves, you know, that's, the think, the thing we're missing slightly is that there isn't exactly, there isn't this full source for the mythology to to back itself. And even with the Germanic... Mm-hmm tribal you know rituals and stuff too because those are also like i'm sure individualistic and tailored to the specific tribes and to those areas and i'm no expert and i don't know anything really about them besides Mm -hmm. uh that one music group i'm blanking the name of that derives a lot of their stuff from that but like it's not it's 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 very fascinating to me but i'm also curious about like how much of what we know is influenced by roman writings right and a lot of that's going to be biased and like I've talked about with the Icelandic sagas and the Edda sagas as well, which are the mm-hmm. biggest texts we have that detail Norse mythology. I mean, this is where everybody pulls their information from. It's the text that details the stories, these like epic stories of, you know, you have like Leif Erikson and you, or Leif Erikson and you have uh, like the stories of Woden or Odin and, you know, Thor and things like that come from like the Edda and the Icelandic sagas have the story of Vinland and such baked into them. But Mm -hmm. they're written from like the 9th to the 13th century. And by that point, a lot of these places are already, if if they're not already converted, they're soon to be converted. For sure, in the 13th century, pretty much all of Scandinavia is converted to Christianity. So Hmm. that begs the question of like, well, okay, well, then how true is it? And I have some areas to kind of back that up, but I think let's maybe deep dive into the transition to Christianity first before we get there. So, you know, again, the interesting thing, too, about the way Norse mythology is depicted and how all of these pantheons of gods work, it's similar to Greek mythology in that way that's polytheistic. There's multiple different gods, deities. uh, There's also that different combination of them. 
uh, which we have, you know, Acer gods versus Vanir gods to different separate groups in different dimensions and whatnot, or planes. Mm-hmm. Of, I forget what it's called, but you know, there's the, there's a yeah, tree. But, it's a yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the the tree and Midgard. Yggdrasil. And, yeah, Midgard and, is where we're at. Then you have the Asgard and uh, Helheim, mm-hmm. and you know, this again, even the word Helheim being in there. I don't know. It's all this stuff is interesting, but, but um, it's it them. Uh, them the the nordic germanic peoples being indo-europeans they probably there probably is some linguistic and mythological root that they probably even share with the hellenistic uh peoples for sure these things have to have traveled and i mean pe- we know people were talking to each other at these times it wasn't this like individual yeah. well, th- these, are, these are the barbarians at this point right yeah exactly yeah. so they're still interacting and like mm-hmm. but the thing with them though too is that like it wouldn't have been crazy to consider christ as a potential another god for them to include in this like loose mythology right mm-hmm. like let's say that all of this is is true to the t and how they follow it's not the tenets that christianity has it's not as strict it's pretty open into who you're going to believe or not so it, hmm. that's one theory that why conversion was so easy is they could just accept Christ as just this other God they could worship just like they would with Thor or they would with Odin and whatnot to give them power. But here's the thing. Cause like we know that in like 800s France or even 700s or 600s France, there's like mass conversions going on where it's, it's like Charlemagne with the sword, you know, it's, are you yeah. going to convert? Nope. Bye. And they just kill you. That was pretty standard um, to a point. I'm assuming there's there's the there's red bad with the the Frisians. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's forced conversions going on in Europe absolutely. But a lot of these conversions like for the Nordic people specifically took place in the 11th century, you know, a little bit after okay. the Viking wars, but also during as well. So to to be fair, it's, this is this still is happening later. It's a little it's later. later. It's a little pa- at this point Frankish kingdoms, you know, English kingdoms, everybody's like kind of set up in their faith. And mm-hmm. the Nordic peoples are interacting. You know, the Scandinavians are coming down through the Viking raids and are like, oh, this is interesting. What's going on here? You have the Normans settling up in France. You have mm-hmm. the Norse going to Ireland, like I've talked about before, too. And that's when the intermingling starts. And mm-hmm. there's interactions happening because they're settling on these Christian lands. And at as early as the 700s with the Viking raids, right? It doesn't have to be just under yeah. these... Um, later conversions, which will happen more in Sweden. So the contrary, though, to the popular belief is that, like, the Vikings or really any early Scandinavians were not really, at least to the knowledge of history at this point, they're not really these diehard pagans that were ready to battle it out with Christians. But, you know, instead it seems that they adapted the, like, religious practices or customs, at Mm. least, pretty quickly. And, again... I don't want to get too speculative because I'm basing this off of one thing specifically or a few things specifically, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, burials, because that's one of the pieces of evidence mm. here that I, you know, brought to support. Right. I guess you, you stop, you stop seeing people buried in ships with dragons all over them and maybe start seeing some more crosses, I guess. Well, yeah, you just stop seeing burials in these conquered lands with stuff. Right. So, I mean, if I if I'm understanding this, we we're sort of seeing them 
almost just adopt Christianity because they're, you know, not just, you know, battling, but also, you know, setting up trade and things with the more Southern Europeans. And like, I, I hate being like culturally essentialist like this, but does this also kind of just speak to a certain like kind of practicality that I guess we associate with scandinavians at this point like (laughs) like like yeah like norway is everybody talks about you know norway you know it's it's always like one of the highest you know standards of living yada 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 it's also i think one of the most secular uh countries and you know has you know very very low uh, regular church attendance, you know, yeah. people, people basically go there for baptism, wedding and funeral. And that's about it. For sure. So what I'm hearing is <laughs> a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of people were just like, oh yeah, Sven, this is, this is good for business. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, but, Literally, it's good for business because, as we know, after the Viking raids, it was mostly to set up trade. Like people just wanted to farm. That's why they settled England. It just has good mm-hmm. land. I mean, that's yeah. that's the that's the like base level of why that even occurred. Besides, what kind of place are you coming from that you think England is the mountains? Paradise. Literally, the mountains and <laughs> uninhabitable land. That's that's kind of the hilarious part, right? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, oh, man. No, but it, it, but that's the thing. It's like. It, it is kind of that essentialist. I mean, they also came to like and conquered and killed people. We shouldn't diminish that either. But right, yeah. they're not these. A lot of the history points away from this grand epic, you know, the Viking warrior narrative. Or the Vikings were the free people. Because there's, there's really like to be a Viking is essentially being like a brutal pirate who's going to go steal people and steal silver and come back home and, you know, sell people into slavery. Like realistically, that's your market as slaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a good thing to glorify. Like that's the thing. It's it's a lot of these people conveniently miss that part of the history. Mm-hmm. But regardless, there seems to have been this adapting to the customs pretty quickly because there's less and less of these graves that are dated over time. Now I'm not an archaeologist, I'll admit, and I don't mm-hmm. know the exact carbon, you know, dating and whatever part that goes into figuring this part out working a lot of this off of a BBC article that I was reading, but I think it's very interesting because it's a good point of evidence to see how um, they were settling into these lands and adapting to the customs in order to obtain rights to those places and make sure they they can Mm -hmm. stay relatively out of conflict or in conflict, you know. Another thing, too, is, like, even it's, it's pointed that, you know, most likely and pretty probably the Viking raids on monasteries was not because they needed to go attack Christians for being Christians and to celebrate their gods. It's because monasteries have a lot of gold and stuff and they don't have any guards. Mm. Oh, or they didn't. They used to not at least like the the invasion of Lindisfarne, you know, when that's like the first Uh recording Viking raid, I think it's 737 could be off a little bit. They just, why would they put guards out there? There's no one who ever comes to this Island off of Ireland but all of a sudden, you know, these guys show up and then they had to start doing it. But it was a, okay. it was a business opportunity. That's how they... <laughs> <laughs> the business opportunity was uh, people that had dedicated yeah. their life to reading and prayer suddenly right. encountering people 
uh, with giant axes and swords. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. So, again, there's not, there doesn't seem to be, like, this crusade against one or the other, right? Or these, like, holy wars dedicated to whose gods are justified. It's very much a, like, it, it seems to be more customary than not, mm-hmm. which is why it would just be adapted, because it's like, okay, well, whatever, we'll do this to play along and figure it out again yeah but a lot of this back and forth or assuming becomes kind of um you know speculative now at the same time you know at the same time that this this communication is happening when you know the northmen are coming down and the england and europe is kind of like all right Mm -hmm. we got to deal with these people there's also you know christian missionaries being sent on their viking study abroad you know to norway (laughs) (laughs) i wrote that i made sure to say that i was like oh (laughs) god you know i i think that that traditions continue today when i anytime i've uh, i've been abroad i feel like it's just nothing but norwegian uh exchange students that's very true. That's how I like learned a little bit about Norway and their obsession with mountains is because I had this conversation with this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this woman outside of a bar who who is like, I think I was, we were talking about this. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm Norwegian. And I was like, oh, I just came back from Denmark a few months ago. And she's like, right. ah, it's too flat. I don't like it. It's too <laughs> flat. And I was like, oh, interesting. There's a com- there's yeah. a competition here. Yeah, it was fun. It was yeah. an interesting conversation. So I'm getting the picture that it, it was just not... whatever the the paganism was that they had it doesn't sound like it was that crucial to their identity like so so the the scandinavians that weren't vikings right i'm just sort of picturing hobbiton like you know they're all they're all just a bunch of they're just a bunch of you know uh earth worshippers with their sod roofs and (laughs) Yeah, you know, just 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 tromping around eating fish, you know, for ten meals a day. Well, like, yeah, they're just trying to exist in like one of the harshest conditions. It's it's. I mean, that's like a lot of medieval Europe, to be honest. It's why, again, I really like Vinland Saga as a fictional piece that just displays what daily life would have been like during those times. Is mm-hmm. it's a lot of just people farming or doing a skill and like trying to survive and not be killed. Right. And it's it's just that. And sometimes I don't know. Sometimes a wizard shows up at your door. Sometimes. I don't know. There's a story about that, probably. But again, <laughs> it's like it's not that these things didn't happen. They obviously did. There's artifacts I want to bring up in a, in a few moments that we found at sites. There's clearly indication of there being worship of sorts to some sort of deities and some sort of idea. What's mm-hmm. not available is either like first person accounts or other pieces of evidence that really put together this capital R romantic vision that or version that we have of what these like Norse peoples were like in the way of the religion and what paganism is like based on how we follow mm. it now. So like, again, cause even, you know, with the missionaries going in there and converting people and people obviously seeming to be interested in that. I don't have any specific evidence whether or not it would either get violent. I'm sure some died and I'm sure some were right at home. But what we do know is that they, the people in these areas, you know, the Scandinavians seem to have taken it like kind of well because they started making a lot of art. You know, the thing that Hmm. like tells us about the society even more. Like, for example, if we turn to the left here, this is actually, you know, we got this massive church uh, installed in one of our halls. Yeah, I know. I love that we can get a budget like this. Yeah, when did we put that in? Oh, you know, just last weekend. We did it in, you know, it's all Ikea. 
you know, just put it oh. together. <laughs> That's a little bit oh, of a God, Scandinavian yeah. joke there. Uh, yeah, 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 I see. I see. No, I love it. There. It's it's efficient and it's fantastic. Anyways, we have a replica of a 12th century stave church at Erns, Western Norway, and that's what would be located. And it incorporates a carving style found at the very end of the Viking art era that's also, it's blended with both pagan tradition and early Christian art forms. So it's mm. a, it's kind of, you know, we can see here, it's kind of looks like it's something out of Skyrim, you know, with the, it's a blackened uh, fronts and such, the more curved roofs and that very uh, ornamental artwork that we find interlace i love it i really do yes um but again there's that combination you're already getting you know during the 11th century sort of thousands right viking basically mm -hmm. den the danes have taken over parts of england there's already this establishment of trade viking wars are over mm -hmm. now people are kind of interested in the faith and there's this cross-examination mm. of where these two areas can meet huh and then we also have, to our right over here, a stone carving that was carved, or like an image, I should actually say, a stone carving that was carved into the rock face at Nora in Upland, Sweden during the 11th century, which features a cross in the center, and it's surrounded by runic markings and earnest style decoration, which actually pulls from older Scandinavian art styles, which is interesting. Now there's a pretty clear connection between the Christian art and early Scandinavian artwork. Mm hmm. That's very interesting. That is right. Well, yeah. I mean, but that that does sort of seem like they're putting this overlay on top of yeah pre-existing traditions. So things like all the stories that we know about, uh. Scandinavian Norse mythology. Those were things that were just transcribed at this point, uh, or or were kept as oral traditions. A bit of both. So okay. we're definitely gonna have oral traditions at play here for sure. That's mm -hmm. I'm I and I it's it's some of that gets lost, and I think a lot of that got blended mm -hmm. into the Eddas and the Icelandic sagas. Those are the two mm -hmm big texts that we have. You mm -hmm. could literally go buy them and read them. I mean, they've been translated a million times, so how accurate it's going to be, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where a lot of the big stories are coming from. Again, okay. like the Eddas is like the story of Odin and Thor and Loki and Freya yeah. fighting the um, the giants, that whole mythology, the origin story of Ymir being the creation myth and such. Like, all of that's okay. originating from there. Now, it's presumed that that would have been influenced by or, or taken from people's stories that were passed down similar to like greek myths and stuff mm -hmm. and then a scribe wrote it down did what they do which is blend in the christian mythology and the right. christian ideology and then it, mm -hmm. we get what we have today if you okay. want to have a very specific example of that because it's written by like you know in the 13th century most of it is and also the ninth as early um there's definitely going to be some bias. And like, here's an example mm. that again, that I'm pulling from this BBC article that in the Eddas, Odin sacrifices himself and is pierced with a spear in his side and hanged on a tree and then is resurrected later. Ooh. Hmm. hmm. I see. Huh. Little interesting. Little strange. Also, this is my observation as well, but one of the items that also we have here, it's this uh, pendant 
that is of a th- of Thor's hammer Mjolnir, right? These pendants mm-hmm. are, I mean, white supremacists and alt-right people wear these all the time. This is one of the artifacts that we have that are incredibly common from bone to silver, right? This is like a major mm-hmm. icon of Norse paganism. And at the time it was too, right. but it's potentially just more of like a pendant good luck charm. You know, you have the might okay. of Thor, whatever we're pulling from. Do you know what it also kind of looks like? What? A cross. Oh, it looks well, like. Well, I know I'm. I might be pulling <laughs> something here. I might. I don't know. I'm doing speculation, but I did just find, as I was cleaning my house, one of the Francis of Assisi crosses, which were carved in with wood, and they don't have the top. They just have the T. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's just a cross with a T. You hold that upside yeah. down. What's it look like? A hammer. I'm just okay. saying that's a pretty convincing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. You know. Maybe I'm speculating. But right. I do think. That's if you have so many of these items laying around, it's mm-hmm. probable that that connection was made. That you have, right? The, but mm-hmm. you could also see the um, no one likes to admit they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you could see a little bit of maybe there's people within this culture that don't want to think of all their ancestors that never heard the good news and Mm. want to sort of pull, um, you know, like what, what uh, Dante does with the poet Virgil uh, and bring them into, uh, into salvation because they all those people would have died before hearing uh hearing the news you know yeah uh so there's there's you could see that you know these symbols that easily graft onto each other but i could also see people this is also me editorializing but i think in a human perspective you want to validate the mm-hmm. traditions that that came before you and if Absolutely, you believe yeah. if you are suddenly converted to christianity and you believe that uh you know only by accepting jesus do you go to heaven you're like well what then everyone every one of my ancestors is in hell because they're pagans like exactly that's, you know that's that's a pretty wild take and a a pretty wild uh, thing to throw on somebody. So I could see that. I could also kind of imagine that the sort of hodgepodge a historicity of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Also definitely appeals to white supremacist things because, you know, like if you try to parse out what exactly like, nazi ideology is and was it is a lot of arm waving yada 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 trying to find this through line of culture that uh that doesn't really exist no it's a myth exactly yeah so i could see that being overlaid on top of that as well later trying to say ah yes you know the 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 northern germanic peoples were always you know yeah, and it's not- kind of right but but i mean but that's also the weird thing about like a lot of like nazism like hitler was secretly anti-christian right uh, yeah you know that that they're like 
going out in the woods and worshiping trees you know that's like there there was there was this kind of like pan-germanic uh pagan quasi-pagan quasi christo-fascist yeah uh, idea and i mean unfortunately i i'm using past tense but there this you know still is uh around um it's 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 nonsense and it's jamming together a bunch of cultures that don't really have anything to do with each other trying to find trying to find some sort of through line that this one group of people was yeah. always right and it just doesn't exist especially because yeah. these groups of people like don't even like each other half the time mm-hmm. again it's not to like you know the 850 or 850s mm-hmm. you get norway unified and a lot of the people didn't agree with that and guess where they mm. ended up iceland uh, so it's just like right. it's like it, do, it, it's but do we like do we know anything about because we know some of the stories, we know some yeah. of the iconography. Like, we know how Hellenistic religions, to some extent, because we have writings from the time, like, we know how they practiced. We know about sacrifices, we know about, um, you know, priest classes and everything. Like, do we know how these, what what a service looked like? You know? No, not from what I'm finding, like, I mean, I could be wrong, I don't know, but not really. Besides, again, mm. what was buried with, like, I we do know that there was, like, sacrifices happening. I don't know how consistent mm-hmm. that is, but again, it's because of what you find in these grave sites. You Animal know, or human? Both. Oh, okay. To my knowledge. But not. I don't know if human... I don't, I, I'm going to put a big asterisk on this because again, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not a Norse expert, you know, email us at uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com if you know. But again, I would like you to fact check because a lot of the people that say stuff on these websites, it's a little sketchy. But from what I'm finding, a lot of what we do know about practices or about like what they were interested in comes from iconography and imagery or right. items. You know, that there are these votive type figures like of Freya and Freyr, you know, the tw- the Vanier twins who are uh, the, well, Freya specifically goddess of like agriculture, fertility, things like that. Again, that's mm-hmm. a pretty common Indo-European trope we see in all religions. But even right. like the most famous, one of the more famous scenes like of uh, these these stone carvings or picture stones is from uh, Gotland, Sweden, which is an island next to Sweden. It's still there. Uh, but it was kind of its own deal at the time, mm-hmm. uh, called okay. the Stora Hamars in uh, Labaro in Sweden, and it's nine feet and ten inches tall, from the oh. seven and dated to the seventh century CE. And this depicts a series of complex scenes, you know, just going on, uh, kind of in a reverse pan, uh, kind of like a triptych almost, but in the sense of its layered hierarchy, hierarchically. So you have like one scene, then the next, then the next, almost like these comic strips. Um, but each one having a detailed scene within it. And there's five specifically on this, with the top being of a human sacrifice. So there you go. In front of a man hanging from a tree. Uh, then center a battle with either Hild or the goddess Freya between two armies. Mm-hmm. And the bottom has a scene of a ship carrying presumably warriors um, en route to the afterlife beyond Goatland. Potentially, this is interpreted as Valhall or Valhalla unsure though again a lot of it's a little bit of based mm-hmm. on the art, art history and the tropes and things that are showing up within all of this art uh, okay. but it's it is kind of interesting because this is giving us an in-depth source to the visuals of early scandinavian art but at the same time they're only 
found and presumably practiced in Gotland, Gotland in, at this early in their history. Like this is the earliest we find these type of stone carvings because the rest don't show up in Scandinavia till the 10th century, which wow. I think is interesting. So is it possible that maybe there's like specific stories that are happening in different areas and because of this Germanic unifying Nazi ideology, a lot of this stuff got blended recently? Um, I don't know. I don't want to graph that onto anything, but it is kind of a curious concept. But, you know, another thing we also have is this gilt silver mount that depicts two Valkyrie-like warriors meeting. One is on horseback and is offered a horn by a woman with a shield. And this was found at the high-status site in Tissot, uh, Silent Denmark, and is potentially depicting an unknown myth. So we might not even know what this exactly is. It seems to be debated on what's going on. But the two hmm. types, but these types of pendants have been found in female graves, though, which is interesting. So a lot of, um, you know, of these artifacts of things we're finding, like again, the Thor's hammer pendants. We actually have one here. It's two uh, and a quarter inch. And, you know, mm -hmm. these, this one specifically was found in Skane, Sweden, and it's initially carved, or innately carved, and looks like the hammers that, yeah, you know, we're all familiar with, these Thor-like right. hammers. And, again, these show up pretty commonly in grave sites, as, long, as well as swords, you know. I think that's also where they were getting, we get a lot of, like, the, the warriors go to Valhalla because they have to grip the sword when they die in battle, and if we excavate sites, you find that happening. Mm -hmm. these things occur i and also there is the word of mouth being passed down of what all of these parts mean a lot of the mythology that feels like the religious aspects are um you know grafted into the writings and the eddas and such mm -hmm. but before we go into the modern day pagans which might answer a little bit of your questions and then we can kind of i think discuss mm -hmm. it because there's a lot mm -hmm. to break down. I wanted to just briefly touch on the Sami who are a part of all of this as well. You know, mm. because if we think about like, you know, in the in Norway, since the creation of, you know, Indo-European migration into Norway, the Sami are there, hanging out, uh -huh. doing their thing, existing. Um, but Herding reindeer. Yeah, exactly. And having their own practices too, which I think is important. So... The Sami were skill, incredibly, incredibly skilled hunters, you know, knew the land, knew how to survive, and were apt at hunting walrus in the far north, and also had access to fine furs, which they would trade with the Scandinavians for silver or use to pay tribute every now and then with the wars. Mm -hmm. Again, they did not always, they, they really don't, they still don't get along with the Norwegian government, but they also did not get along with a lot of the tribes that lived down there and colonized the areas, you know, so... Mm. That's also important to note, and they did have a lot of political, so they were politically, socially, and economically involved with one another, both these Norwegian clans and also the, the Sami peoples, and along with even religious connections, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So do, do they sort of see the Norwegians, the Scandinavians, do they see them as kind of like these Germanic newcomers? Um, I would say so, yeah, because okay. they're, they're these, I mean, I don't know about Germanic, because they move in more, like, when all the Indo-Europeans are moving uh, west, that's mm -hmm. the sway, I, this is my knowledge, I don't know, this could have mm -hmm. been updated recently, but that's what I remember, that there was the, the migrations up north as the people moved mm -hmm. in, it would have been these, like, foreign people that are coming a little after, you know, okay. and it's like, okay, well, who are these guys, and again, there's that, Con there's the potential idea that that's where we're getting a lot of the Aesir versus Vanir myths, you know, and that combination. Mm -hmm. Potentially, that could also be a translation, I don't know, by the monks later on. 
because again mm-hmm. like it was well documented of like especially in the middle of like the um 10th and 11th centuries that the sami and the norse uh specifically and even the swedes are intermarrying it's politically entwined you know it's getting okay. like crusader kings okay. essentially it does also beg this question though is is it possible that that's where a lot of the more nature-based pagan practices or myths come into play maybe you know mm. that does some of that get grafted on contemporarily what do they practice they're they're I, I don't i don't actually fully know but i believe it's still some of their same practices that have been passed on so oh, it's wow. a lot so, of so that they, they they still have some remnant of yeah that of that ancient uh I don't want to say paganism, but I don't you know, know if it's some, pa- it's some not sort of mythology. It, it's it's more like a mythology. It would be kind of like similar to like the indigenous tribes in the U.S. You know, thinking about mm. practices that way. It's the connections of the land, how to pass down in terms of like cultural garb and clothing, regalia. You mm. know, okay, uh, uh, storytelling, myths, things like that. I wouldn't say it's like the pagan practice of like, all right, we're gonna have a drum circle and we're gonna like kill someone or do whatever, and you know, like basically like the Hollywood or mythologization mm. of what it is like to worship the ground or what it is like to worship the forest. Like, I think there's yeah. a little bit of that that gets grafted onto the Northern regions because of that barbarian image that's depicted mm. by the Romans. And I mm. don't want to do that with the Sami because I it, it's not in that area for my limited knowledge. It's not similar to that. And mm-hmm. they have gone through a lot of that vilification by the Norwegian government as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of one of these double-handed things, which I know... Norway has a, you know, it's a beautiful country, got a lot that we don't in terms of, you know, universal health care, and they, like, care about people and, you know, want you to have a good life, but, but, is, but there's any, this contention any, between the two groups any, that I think is nerve-wracking. I think, I think we see this a lot. I mean, we saw this in the history of the United States with, yeah. you know, not not just, like, not just in the seizure of land but the mobility of you know the native yeah. americans like the 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 idea of a the, the the western idea of a nation state that you know the the that they were bringing to the continent does not allow for nomadic peoples that move around with the seasons so if you're lakota right and you have to move around as a way of life that's an issue. If you're exactly. trying to set up nation states in North Africa, the Berbers are a problem for you because they're 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 itinerant. They're uh you know th- this is this is the issue you know the Bedouins uh run into. It's yeah. the it's the i it's you know a a nomadic lifestyle does not comport well once you are trying to establish rigid borders uh, as exactly, as a, as a political yeah. concept rather than the people exist where they go you know the the, right. the idea of it being fixed to a certain place centralized is uh Th- those those come into conflict quite often in history. Yeah, and that definitely seems to be the case happening here as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the ironic parts that I wanted to get into now with like the modern day pagans, especially in in the regions, because this does mm-hmm. exist. There's a there's a a, a 
a religious organization that is established specifically in Iceland, but it has roots all over Scandinavia and I think the U.S. too, called mm-hmm. uh, Asatru or Asatru, which essentially is a religion that's based on paganism. It's a heathen and heathenry, heathen religion that's hmm. trying to follow the old ways. You know, it's if you meet someone okay. that's like I'm a pagan, they're probably into this. I've probably met a few. But I it's I think it's more specifically with the Asatru, it's more specifically from like usually people from Iceland or from Norway mm-hmm. who and okay. I don't know about Denmark in this, but um that are trying to like reject Christ use this as a way to reject Christianity and reconnect with their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I mean, you know, that's a pushback we've seen. It's it's I think yeah. it's what a lot of the pagan practices come from. I mean, I think it's like embracing um you know, if we're looking at like Italy or Mediterranean countries embracing the older practices compared to the Christian ones, for instance, mm-hmm. when it comes to worship and whatnot, I think where this gets a little confusing and concerning is that it's pulling a lot of its ba- basis for the faith or the idea on the Eddas specifically, which is the one that I mentioned that's yeah translated by monks and there's a lot of christian motifs not a primary source not a primary source exactly it's a mythological one it's fun Mm -hmm. i mean at this point you might as well use neil gaiman's version of the mythology (laughs) but uh now that might be too mean but at the same time it's like it's like that's what it is i feel like a lot of this is basing itself in that romanticization now it may not the people who follow this i mean no no hate to anybody that's basing their beliefs in this you believe what you need to absolutely you know no judgment i just think you might want to critically engage a little bit with the texts that you're reading because i think it is a little concerning when you google you know pagan or norse pagan origins because anybody can Mm -hmm. do this I, i encourage all of you to go do this just google norse pagan origins almost every single one is going to be like the truth about paganism and how can you be a Norse pagan and how to Mm. reconnect with your ancestors. And it all has connecting themes that will Mm. lead you into that alt-right pipeline. You know, a lot of it's basing itself off of things that don't entirely exist. But again, we don't need to believe the historians and the archaeologists. We need to believe what we believe. And I think that, and we can argue this with a lot of religions, but specifically with this, I think that's the trap. That's Mm -hmm. the scary nerve-wracking thing that unfortunately has really plagued this history is that Mm -hmm. you get a lot of this nazi ideology that's recycled into almost like granola culture or like Mm -hmm. wanting to be connected to nature but it's really not connecting it to nature it's connecting it to a more power-based source and again like i i i just coming from my own perspective i find this time period to be incredibly interesting because you know, specifically the 700s to the 1100s of Norse general Northern European history. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. There's a lot of interconnections between different cultures that don't really have any written records of. It's also this period of heightened violence, and it's glorified for its violence, even though there's people just living their daily lives there, mm-hmm. just trying to survive, which I think is more interesting and important. And it, I don't think it's really this romantic period that people are trying to make it to be you know what does it mean Mm -hmm. to have to be a warrior right why are we trying to cosplay as vikings what did vikings do they killed and hurt people and enslaved people it's not a good thing it's not something i think you want to necessarily worship right 
And it's not Stop your ancestors. the glorification of Hagar the Horrible. Exactly. Hey, that's I'll live by that, you know? Yes. It's also an activity. You can't be a Viking. You're not descendant from Vikings. You know, or I guess, yeah, well, in a way, but maybe not, right? Because <laughs> it's kind of ironic, like, thinking, like, yeah, I was descended from warriors, and actually you're just, like, Sven the Farmer in Sweden. Like, yeah. that's kind of the irony about a lot of this stuff. And I think, too, you know... Again, it's why I brought up the Sami. I think it's important to also recognize the more indigenous practices, specifically all around mm -hmm. the globe, where there is a legitimate connection to the earth. And there's a, you know, all of these stories that are originating from their ideas and philosophies that we can actually use to move forward. And it isn't going to trap you in a cult or like you're a part of Midsummer or something. And that's not a, I also want to make sure, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's not a, that's not a dig. This isn't a dig at like these, northern countries and their history because it is i think just like you and i are interested in our own cultures and figuring out the past that way it's mm -hmm. it's important i think you know people want to understand where they come from and what happened especially as yeah. you know white supremacy has really taken that from a lot of people i think it's mm -hmm. just like navigating a landmine when it comes to it because you want to be careful not to fall in to these alt-right tropes that unfortunately have plagued this mythology into some kind of concerning ways of thinking. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've got a couple of ideas like that you've sort of reminded me of. I mean, on the one hand, I think, I I do think it's, it, it, it's always worthwhile to look at what people have in common, what are similar yeah. ideas that people um, seem to, uh, uh, arrive at independently across different cultures. I think that's a really meaningful and powerful thing because often, you know, we, that's how we sort of try to try to find some sort of truth of humanity. I think a lot of contemporary people that we know that might identify as pagan or Wicca, I think they, I, I associate them in my mind as people that would maybe identify as Satanists now where <laughs> right. you're it's not they're they're not even really religious I think mm, I think yeah. most people I've met it's almost just like a contrarian attitude that you have to things you know you're the type of person that deliberately instead of saying oh my god says oh my god's uh, oh gosh, which yes. no ha no hate to you if you do that, yeah. but it is it always feels a little forced, you know, because it because no one look. I've been in I have been in a on a bus full of Jews and gone around a very sharp turn that freaked everyone out and heard everyone exclaim Jesus Christ. <laughs> You know, like there's certain Wait a things that are Hold on. there. There are certain things that are just in the language, you know. Yeah, no, um, for sure. <laughs> that's, um, that's actually very funny. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you were wondering where that sentence was going. A, a um, little. Uh, but and and I get it. I get it. Uh, to to some extent, like the 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 wanting to draw a point about how our culture is so Christian centric does yeah. not uh, give the same gravity to the holidays 
uh, and traditions of other cultures. I get that aspect of it. I think there's, you know, but on the uh, on the other hand to it, it's like, I don't know, there's there's also a certain shallowness that sometimes comes across to me because it is so much of a do what you want type of attitude that I'm like, well, then why? Why do it? Why? Yeah. Why why are we doing this? Like, let's come on. Let's are are we are we like leaving food out under a tree or what? Like, you know, let's (laughs) how much are we going to commit? Let's let's commit to something like, you know, this is the day where we have to dress in robes like, you know, (laughs) I want to organization. I I want to. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that maybe I'm just no, too I'm just <laughs> I'm too like, come on, let's get organized here. Well, um, I, yeah, you can see why. Yeah, you know, it's like took I, off. we get this day off from work. Exactly. This is this is the day we dress in pastels and go get brunch. Like, you right, know. I have to coordinate my outfits based on the holidays and it kind of exactly. helps. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think they're doing well with Halloween. Um, but yeah. other otherwise I think I think contrarian uh throwback uh uh religions they're they're not and maybe by their very nature they're uh they're, they they just don't seem to have it together. Another thing that comes to mind and this is because I was staring at um the make sh- the uh like portable stage thing in the classroom I teach in. Mm. I was looking at the thing of how the legs fold out. And uh, it was uh, a moment of an accidental swastika in the oh, uh, no. in the in the plastic feet because just you know that it's an expanding aluminum thing. So you right. know that each each foot has to go in another direction, and the most space efficient you know way of this is this very squared off angular uh, four sided uh, swastika, and it's. It's so easy to make them. There's a reason why almost every ancient culture has them. And yeah, I can understand a, you know, trying to uh, reclaim that. And maybe there is some way to do it. Um, I'll never say there isn't. You can never touch anything again. Um, But I think what we also have to realize is just how tempting that was as a symbol because you could look anywhere and find it. You could find some quote-unquote proof of this narrative to human history. Mm-hmm. And really it was just pointing to a very common geometric uh, pattern. Yeah. And that's what that's why that's why it got ruined for everyone. That's what, yeah. like, you know, I mean, a, an iron cross, it's a plus sign. Like everyone has some version of that. Everyone on earth, you know, there's Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's it, it, it's a real shame it gets associated with really only one thing now, but that's I I I guess I just caution the thing that just seems like um, the easy rejection of everything that you think is incorrect about modernity, because that has uh, that can lead down to troubling paths. And again, this is not some sort of blanket statement about people that, you know, identify as pagans in contemporary life. 
it's just something to watch out for. It's something to, yeah. uh, it's something to really interrogate about how, you know, the blood and soil narrative was sold to people. The idea exactly. that the people who live off the land and respect the land are being, um, corrupted by, uh, cosmopolitan people that, um, you know, uh, are, are, are somehow making you less of something. And that's, that's just something to keep in mind. So, so that's, that, that's where I'm at with, yeah. with, I guess, this kind of stuff. Those, those are, those are, those are my observations, I guess, of people that, uh, of, of people that I guess draw on these types of things. I mean, again, I, I appreciate you bringing like actual history into this. Oh, I try. I mean, it's because otherwise it becomes sort of this like bashing statement and I don't want it to come across that way, but more of like, no, let's, let's talk about it. Let's actually look at the art. Let's look at the way culture was being produced at the time. Let's make a case for some of these things. Now, again, I didn't, this isn't necessarily based on should paganism be uh, celebrated? Yes or no. I don't know, right? I mean, do do what you want, but I think it's important to engage with what you're practicing. Of course, I, I do think a lot of this also plays into the fact that everybody, a lot of people became atheists as a rejection of Christianity and realized this sucks. I'm going to believe in something because why shouldn't we all believe in something, you know? And it doesn't have to be, you can believe in something divine without having to be attached to a monotheistic religion. Like spoiler, spoiler alert! Mm. You you can you can do that. What? You can believe? Oh no! You you know you can believe that things are connected through nature, you know, and not have to like, you know, base everything off of the ideology of Avatar or like you know Norse paganism or like this manufactured version of it. Like you can mm. you can root yourself in the idea of interconnectedness, even if you want to study more indigenous philosophies or philosophies in general. Is it doesn't that... have to be. You know, doesn't have to all be the, all those churches that use papyrus font. I uh, um, are, are they are the is that Avatar Church? It might. They definitely watched it and had to connect it back to God. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm sure. I passed the church. I passed the church billboard on my way to Hudson when I was visiting Yuzan mm. that had a whale coming over the mountains, and there was like a font in papyrus with that, and I was very confused about the connection there. <laughs> I also forgot that like uh, is, that, are, is that the ghost of all the whales that were I was uh, yeah <laughs> that were hunted I mean, by the people in Hudson Valley. That's what I'm wondering because you know I just finished the Leviathan project, so I was like, wow, this is like haunting. But then I'm also just like, is this like the Ark? Like what's going on? Like what? Or I guess Jonah and the whale. Well, that could have been a fish, though. It's not very, you know, it's like, what's going on here, guys? I don't know. It's just like, right. it, but but again, it's like, I think, I don't know. I guess it's, it's um, because even even with the Asatru in, in, in Iceland, too, I'm pretty sure most of it's based on, like, they're not really a religion. You know, they're not practicing, mm-hmm. like, Christianity does or Catholicism does, where mm-hmm. there's, like, order and, you know, things you have to do yeah. and rituals. It's more like... It's kind of yeah. like a big hang. Like we believe in these gods. We're hanging out, you know. <laughs> right. We're all gonna have right. the meeting and and chill and listen to mm-hmm. some like black metal or something. I don't know. Um, right. But it doesn't seem to. They're not. There's no organization. Yeah. That 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 sounds right. Yeah. And like that's that's fun. And I think some of these things have their place. But again, it's like, you know, I I think it's one thing to investigate where your heritage is from what your culture was like, what your ancestors practiced. I think it's another mm-hmm. thing to then say, I am now going to practice this. 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like uh, you, you see that in a mm-hmm. lot of these like Mediterranean towns in Italy specifically, especially in Sardinia where they're really attached to the cultural roots and they didn't conform mm-hmm. as much as like the rest of Italy because it's so rural. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. and, and most of Italy still has these practices too in the towns, but then they like connected it back somehow to like Catholicism and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of that more regalia that's being present. So you can, you know, but they're not like, believing these things necessarily i don't even know if they're believing in like the church everybody's believing what they want and it's fine it's more that it's a connection to the culture it's a connection to the origin story and figuring things out and passing yeah. on that knowledge and yeah yeah you know if you're not having somebody pass you this knowledge because your state became christian and the people passing you down this knowledge are like some guy who read a mythology book and became almost like a white supremacist accidentally um that's mm-hmm. a question that's something to interrogate and mm-hmm. I, I also think if you approach it not being defensive and just seeing how to interrogate it is the way to maybe navigate that too you know mm-hmm. and and yeah. maybe also because yes i'm i am all for uh you know some weird festival where you know we dress in monster costumes and you know march yeah. down the center square or something i'm all about i gotta take that. you i gotta take you we gotta go because yeah, you probably no, get a we kick got, out some we, of these we, yeah no i am i am all for it i am all for watching uh you know a bunch of uh uh men in florence play a very violent game of medieval rugby <laughs> it's so good uh you yeah. um you know, just like, yeah, just, you know, even if even if you don't have to, like, be fully bought in, be bought into the idea of community, because at the end of the yeah. day, that's the type of thing that you you're yeah. looking for. And I mean, also, it's I think it's interesting to hear this is a story of people that, uh, you know, it seems like had a pretty rel- had a relatively smooth transition because they understood this was just this was good for maintaining a community. Exactly. And, and real, realizing like, you know, anytime you look at an area that was polytheistic, probably th- it was practiced differently town to town. Yes. You know, the, 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 the way it was practiced, the, the specific beliefs and everything. Like if you, if, if we, Go that there's there's a book I've definitely talked about before, but it is a very very good book that I highly recommend called How to Read the Bible by James Kugel, mm. and you know where he basically you know kind of goes chapter by chapter and basically explains like what are the what are the historic things that are mm. uh, influencing uh, these stories, and the. The the documentary hypothesis, which is I think the among scholars is the 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 pretty predominant theory uh, of the Tanakh is that that the five books of Moses is that this is a compilation of different stories from different cultures that were brought together as one cohesive narrative during periods of exile when the Babylonians or the Persians would, you know, conquer Jerusalem and, uh, you know, force the force the people out, you know, they would sort of have to 
come, you know, bring together all of these loosely connected cultures and sort of sort of retrofit their different their different deities into what we think of as Adonai and that Mm. in that narrative. Uh, And this, you know, sort of accounts for why there's why events happen different ways in different parts. Uh, You know, and this isn't to say that it's any less meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, But I think it's really important for people to recognize that there is change there there are things that are not just these they're not static they arise to meet people's needs in their moment and i guess that's what we would kind of try to look for with these traditions what need is it serving what is it fulfilling and hopefully that that helps us get something more more meaningful out of it out of the study of it or if you're someone inclined to practice these things what is you know not not that everything has to have like some sort of black and white purpose but some sort of understanding of what role is this uh in our in our sociology exactly yeah Mm. it's really well put thank you well i mean thank you for bringing together this really interesting story of something that i know very little about and i hope uh, other people got to uh um, it may make a little more sense of these things that uh, I think we have some vague awareness of, but it's never really explained why. Oh, yeah, no, it was a pleasure. It was really fun to put together. I kind of started getting obsessed a little bit. There was, there's so much information to cram in, but, you know, we can always revisit some of these things as well. Uh, a lot of what I was doing, some heavy lifting from the, the text, the source I was using a lot uh, was the World of Art, Viking Art by James Graham Campbell, which was the book that I pulled all these, uh, actually that helped curate all these objects here. And it's really interesting just seeing this type of artwork through the periods of uh, Scandinavian history and how that influences culture. So if you're fascinated by this stuff, I definitely recommend checking that out for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been fun. Very cool, very cool. And you didn't even have to do any uh, uh, Scandinavian accents. I didn't. I I got away. I didn't have any quotes, unfortunately. I was kind of excited because I've been watching <laughs> Lilyhammer recently, which has mm. like been fine. But I just love how they all talk. Uh, this yeah. has to, this is gonna have to be a, a separate tour for sure. But I'm really obsessed with like just the linguistic changes and how people speak, especially with the Norwegians being sing-songy and the Danes being more uh, like flat in the way they talk. Right, which is fun. So, mm. yeah, I've been working on that because it's really pr- it's just fun to pronounce things at the end. Mm, mm. Yeah, that Allison and I uh, watched the show uh, Shetland. Uh, the, mm. I, I think I mentioned it before. It's available on BritBox. There is uh, an episode where they are going back and forth to Norway and oh, uncovered oh. this whole plot about like white supremacists oh, and separatists man. and everything. And they like, you know, do this this whole thing that turns like the local government upside down. And then it turns out it has nothing to do with their murder investigation. So oh. then they just go back to Shetland. <laughs> and it's like, bye, yeah, Norway. Right. Bye, Norway. <laughs> we won't see you again. Although their histories are also in, incorporated together, which is interesting. So, you know, mm. it's all it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. 
Well, um, again, thank you. What a wonderful tour. Uh, I guess uh, we're going to have to disassemble our Ikea monastery. For sure. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of (laughs) of, of those little little, little pegs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Well, um, thank you again, Joe. I guess this brings us to... Stick it or ticket? Oh yes, I have one uh, that I found this week that I thought I couldn't. I really didn't find many. And then I got this okay. one that left me with a weird feeling because I was kind of confused. Interesting. Okay, go on. So it said Jersey Soul, yeah, but in a dream catcher that was all in or it was all in orange. Oh, and it was huh. a cursive font. And I was just like, okay. I don't. I mean. Besides the cultural appropriation and just yikes, it, hmm. I just don't understand what the message is there. Like, what does that mean? Are you a native <laughs> New Jerseyan? Is it, are you really into soul music? <laughs> I didn't understand. So I just really was <laughs> trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> God. No, that is, that is fascinating. Yeah. How about you? What'd you find? Um... Okay, so this one was more about the juxtaposition of stickers, which uh, is is always always something interesting to me. So this was on the back, uh, I will mention, of a Ford Freestyle, um, which uh, I believe is a discontinued type of, uh, like, mid-sized Ford. Um, So, you know, it has the little, like, chrome letters on the back that say Freestyle, right? Yeah. And then right above it, Freemason sticker. Oh, free, Freemason. Yeah, the, for, the Ford Freemason. <laughs> Ford Freemason. That's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um. Yeah. No. Yours. Interesting. Always. You know, yeah. Jersey. Jersey it's, Soul. Um. But a, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Just catching those dreams, New Jersey, huh? <sighs> Some... No dream. No. No one's dream is safe from New Jersey. No, we will crush it. Absolutely. <laughs> um. Cool. Oh, yeah. Great. I guess this brings us next to uncanny recommendations. Yeah. So now we uh, recommend things that people might find interesting or good to listen to and watch. Yeah, I I have a few for sure. Uh, I've been watching Beef recently on Netflix with uh, Steve Yuan. Yeah, Beef. Mm. You know, it's like you got beef with somebody. And in okay. this case, it's uh, Ali Wong and Steve Yuan. And it's 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 like very good. <laughs> I really like it. I don't I don't know. I haven't finished it yet. So I might change like, my is mind it like afterwards. a rea- like is it is it like uh, the rehearsal? Like they bring no, no, no. people it's together like, it's who like have a, beef. It's a, no, 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 it's a drama, and it's like, oh, the, basically okay. the way this starts out is it's like both these characters are in a road rage incident, and then mm. they just keep trying to one-up each other. Like, they just keep trying to get back as one <laughs> goes after the other, and then it just progressively entangles their lives and gets ridiculous, and I've just been very intrigued by the narratives being woven. Okay. I also would recommend watching... Vinland Saga, if you haven't already, season two's on Netflix. Both of them are. It's very good. One of the best pieces of fiction out there. Even if you don't like anime, it doesn't really follow that type of style. So I would just, I definitely recommend that. Um, nice. Some books too. I just finished, um, well, I recently finished East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I don't know if I mentioned that last time or not, but it's 
if you haven't read it, absolutely read it. It's incredible. It's a it's you know six hundred page book, but it was absolutely worth it, and I loved it very very much. And um, I also finished Tokyo UNO Station, which was really good as well. And uh, I read that in like two hours. So if you need a book that's really short and you just want to you know get through to get out of your reading slump, I would definitely recommend that. And that's by Yumiri. So author Yumiri, definitely recommend that. It's it's that first person narrative that also weaves in the history of the places that they're in, specifically within Tokyo and of the station. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. It's just it was a fun book. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but nice. those are like my immediate recommendations. How about you, Zan? All right, yeah. Um, really interesting sounding recommendations. Um. I have been kind of absorbed in some books recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so one book uh, I won't mention just yet that I'm really excited about. I don't even have it yet, but I'm. it's going to be a tour here at the Uncanny County Museum for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but the other one uh, will also probably work its way in, but I finally got my hand on Other Lands by Thomas Holliday. And let me say, this is a must read for anyone who, like, really has an interest in uh, what life was like on Earth in the past and the way that our planet was shaped by, you know, events over time. Like, this is, it's extremely well written, and I'm very picky about science writing in you know this sort this sort of thing like something that's meant for the public to consume it's it's really fantastic it's not patronizing it doesn't really dumb things down it just really paints this kind of brutal but also extremely gorgeous uh view of life on earth and it really really highlights how things are always in flux, that there is no perfect static mode to nature, that na- that all, all of these processes are in constant motion. And uh, I, I just really, really recommend it if you have an interest in natural history, because it also, um, it gets into moments that, uh, that, you you don't necessarily even think about as like the the defining moments of an era you huh. know like it has an entire chapter talking about like the day that the mediterranean sea fills up you know and actually y- you would you would find it fascinating you know there it was basically a a desert between the african and european plates and wow. it it uh then just one day the straits of gibraltar the natural dam there gave way and within you know a few days there's a giant waterfall between yes. sicily and malta wow you know and it's just the atlantic ocean pouring into this desert filled with giant swans and pygmy uh elephants huh just you know, filling up that basin one day and just written so wonderfully, so much great research. Uh, Yeah, uh, that 
that is my recommendation. I don't really have any new music or anything I've been uh listening to this week that is of note. Um but yeah, no, that is that that is that is my one recommendation, <laughs> but it is a very strong sure. recommendation. No, I definitely want to check it out. It sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, what have you got going on outside the museum, Joe? Uh, I don't have too much going on at the moment. A lot of it's sort of in the works, you know, waiting to hear back for some stuff. But I do have hopefully some new music dropping soon. And you can always check out my website, uh, josaminoart.com, where I have some video works located. Specifically, the one that I mentioned earlier, Leviathan, is on Vimeo. And you can watch the full thing without any sort of preview wall. So feel free to check that out as well. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much all I have going on that... At least I can remember. How about you, Sam? <laughs> what do you got going on? All right. Um, well, I still have my work up at Darcy Simpson Artworks in Hudson, uh, New York. You can go check that out um, by the time you're hearing this. This weekend and next weekend uh, will be the final uh, weekends of it. It'll be over April 30th. So definitely go uh, check that out. Uh Next week, starting on the 24th, uh, will be I will be part of the uh, Director's Choice show at Viridian Artists in Chelsea, New York. Mm. Uh, so you can go and see my piece there. On the 20th of May, I will be there for the closing reception and uh, possibly uh, talking a little bit with uh, the other artists about our work. Mm. Um but yeah, those are the two things that are happening the soonest. Uh, as always, uh, check out my uh, workshop, Shape and Shadow, that's going to be going on at the John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina. That'll be the first week of August, uh, my oil painting intensive. And then, uh, <laughs> gosh, I actually have a lot going on yeah, for busy, once. Busy man. Yeah, and then another. Keep an eye, your eye out for another show uh, coming in September. I should have uh, more specific dates soon. Um, you can check out my work as well for sale at sandpeters.com. Um, if you'd like to find the museum after hours, Peters.